Welcome to You Should Watch This Documentary, a podcast about documentaries you should watch, obviously, with your host, Adam Todd Brown, Jess McDonald, and Ron Rock. Hey everybody, welcome to You Should Watch This Documentary. I'm Adam Todd Brown. I'm Ron Rock. I'm Jess McDonald. You both sound so excited. Hi. Hey. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. Don't laugh during the intro, anybody. I was once told that I have the personality of a voicemail greeting. (laughs) (laughs) Voicemail greetings have to have at least somewhat of a personality, I think. They got to rope you in so you want to leave a message. I feel like if there were more engaging voicemail greetings out there. Oh, yeah. So now maybe I get it. (laughs) No laughing during you the You laughed intro. first. You laughed first. I'm allowed to. I didn't put those ground rules in place. Oh, damn it. That was you, Mon Rock. Someone told me I laughed too much in the podcast. That's, that's stupid. Silly. It was myself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's why. When I listened to the podcast. No, you're great. How's So everyone's doing good. We've established that. We don't have to talk about what we've been doing since last week. We were just here we doing just the here. other podcast. Yep, yep. Breaking the fourth wall. We do these two at a time. Makes scheduling easier. People don't have to come to downtown LA every week. This is all good pod. This is good. This is good. We're, we're, we're doing a good job. Yeah. As we definitely said at the end of last episode, the documentary we're talking about this week is Command and Control, which is on Netflix. But you should have already watched it because we explicitly said, I think at the end of the last episode, that this is the next documentary we're covering. I believe that we did say that, yes. At least at least was once clear. per person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three times. Oh, yeah, I'll just, I'll paste it together. <laughs> so hopefully both of you said the words command and control. When you sent me the synopsis, I thought, oh God, this is just another Adam pick. That's just going to be... Way over my head, not just... But it's not, But it's not. It wasn't. It's really interesting. I mean, it's technical. Yeah, yeah. it it, it was technical. So I'm I'm just letting you know that I'm not really going to be doing much speaking during this one. Oh, hey, no problem. (laughs) No problem at all. Yeah, Command and Control, it's based on a book by Eric Schlosser, who is also interviewed a bunch during this documentary. And it's about an incident that happened September 18th, 1980 in Damascus, Arkansas, the other Damascus, when a Titan II missile almost exploded. And that's a nuclear weapon. So a, a nuclear weapon very nearly exploded. There was an explosion. We'll explain it. It was a nine megaton thermonuclear warhead on the Titan II missile. And command and control is about an incident where... There was an explosion. There, there is an explosion, but you'll... Just y- not... You'll note that our history books do not include anything about a nuclear warhead going off right. in Arkansas. Right. So, But how does that happen? We'll get to it. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> so... They, they get to the incident right away in, in this documentary. And basically what the incident is, these, these two guys... Well, first they, they talk to Rodney Holder and Alan Childers, who run through kind of the process of what it's like 
being responsible for a nuclear weapon. And they make it seem kind of like being a fireman where you show up and, okay, you're here for two days, and if anything happens, it's your job to respond to it day or night, whether you're asleep or awake. This is your sole focus for the next two days or 18 hours, I think they said in this case. And so these two show up for a normal day at work, and they're so casual about their job, which I guess you have to be. But at one point... uh, Because isn't it just testing? No. At one point, Alan Childers actually, he's talking about his job responsibilities, and he says, you know, everything you're responsible for, that includes if shit jumps off and we have to launch a weapon... Right, but they're they're constantly training, and that was the thing that he said. He goes, part of the job is that if you you have to be able to flip the switch, turn right. the key, you have to be able to prove that at any point you are ready to kill 10 million people. Right, you're willing to destroy an entire civilization. And he's like, yeah, I didn't really, th- I didn't really think about it. But yeah, yeah, that's part of my. Uh, <laughs> He's like, yeah, day man, to day. that's what I got to do. That's what I got to do. Yeah, he's very businesslike in describing it. And I guess that's what you want. Like, you don't want some emotional lunatic. No, that would be very bad. You don't want the emotional lunatic to have that key. Yeah. At all. You don't want the guy who's going to be like, really? We're really doing this? I mean, maybe you do. Maybe. I mean, I kind yeah, of do. I don't think that it's ever necessary to kill 10 million people. No, I don't know what about you guys, but. How okay, two, three, three million? What are we at? No, I agree. Uh, <laughs> no, let's talk about this. I mean, we can talk about specific countries or no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. So Rodney Holder and Alan Childers are talking about being part of the missile command crew, which great video game in the eighties, by the way. They say the Titan II was the biggest weapon the U.S. ever operated, which I found surprising. And that it was three times stronger than the atomic bomb. Yeah. They said it was uh, three times stronger, I think, than all of the bombs dropped in World War II combined. Which, damn. Because that was a lot of... We dropped a lot of bombs on Japan alone in the last year of World War II. So that's, that's a shit ton of bombs. Yeah, it, it's nine stories high. How how how, t- how tall is a story? Anyone know? Twenty five. Well, Mon Rock, taller, what do you say? Taller than David Miscavige, I'll tell you hey! that. It's quite a <laughs> lot of them piled on top of each other. I tried. What did I, I hit? The wrong thing. That's what I wanted. <laughs> Damn it! Let's find out. How tall is a story? Ah, uh, the internet. Isn't it great? Around 10, 10 feet. feet. I was off by 15 feet. That's so fine. it's like 90 feet high. That's a pretty big bomb. Yeah. Alan Childers and Rodney Holder are in charge of this particular bomb on September 18th, 1980. And before they get into what happens, Eric Schlosser, the guy who wrote the book that this is based on, runs us through a quick thing about the nuclear, the history of the nuclear program in the United States. And... One of the details that really stuck with me is he was talking about the first nuclear test and how scientists were concerned that it might set the atmosphere on fire and we all might die. And they did it anyway. And they were like, eh, let's see what happens. 
we gotta end this war somehow. How does that cross? And one way to end mind? the war was by ending the world, and that they were open to that. Yeah, that's insane. Like, what if that would have happened? For fuck's sake, we would not be talking. We would not be here. That would have been it. Yeah. And at some point in the very, 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 very distant future, someone would figure out that that's what we did. And they'd be like, these fucking idiots. <laughs> they discovered nuclear energy and made it a bomb. What the fuck? But it was fine. We we survived and uh, we dropped some bombs on Japan. I wouldn't say it was fine. Yeah, it was definitely not <laughs> fine. Not even a lot of those tests. Because you see a lot of those early nuclear tests when we didn't know anything about fallout and radiation and it's just soldiers like smoking a fucking Winston and like shielding their eyes a little bit watching this thing blow up and it's like you're all gonna have cancer I was curious about it one day I was googling the aftermath of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and my husband came downstairs and he's like it's Sunday morning what the fuck (laughs) are you doing yeah Yeah, Hiroshima and Nagasaki is it's those are both really crazy stories in that as destructive as they were, they were both kind of considered failures yeah. in terms of just impact and the destruction they caused. Like they were supposed to kill a lot more people. But also Japan was like, You've bombed all our other cities. We don't care that much. It's Japan fine. is dwindling in numbers right now. They're not procreating. Right, because of their they they had some weird policies in place, but it, they didn't have a two child policy no, no, like no, China. No, 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 they're just not procreating. It's, they're just not procreating. Yeah, I read something else about why it is though, and I don't remember what. I'm curious to know what that is though. Now, well, I'll look it up when I get home. Google. We talked about it on What in the World once. Anyway, we're deviating. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have more? No. Oh. <laughs> Flatten that button, Monrock. All right. <laughs> Flatten it. Yeah, he also mentions that by the mid-60s, we had 32,000 nuclear weapons in the United States, which we'll talk about it a little more later, but right now, I even inf- accidentally inflated the number in the notes here. We have less than 8,000. We have like right around 7,000 now. So we have drastically reduced the number of weapons we have, but... We've just, like we, you know, we still need to show people that we're in charge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People, people. 32,000 feels like too much. Like, obviously, a problem is going to happen. It's the law of numbers. At some point, one of those is not going to work out the way it's supposed to. Right, right. And that's, I, I mean, I guess I like our odds better when we don't have 32,000, but still, still a lot. Still. Spear tactics. We have to show people that we can do it and that we have done it. Right. That's nuclear, That's North Korea's whole strategy. Yeah. People are like, oh, they're crazy. No, they're doing pretty much what they need to do yeah. to keep their regime from getting taken over. But we are deviating again, and I know how, li- how Mon Rock likes to stay on topic. Let's talk about <laughs> the incident that happens in Command and Control, or at least the first part of it. Basically, this, these two teams, Dave Powell... Who they, they work for the propellant transfer system team. Dave Powell is PST. Da- PTS. Oh, PTS. PTS. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Powell is adorable. They they interview him first and he talks about how all he ever wanted in life was to be the best PTS 
team member ever. Like, this is his only goal in life. We later find out he's not great at accomplishing that goal. He's literally the worst. <laughs> but That's when I had the thought, wow, different goals. <laughs> People are different. Yeah. My goal is just to try a new restaurant and cafe. This guy, <laughs> this guy's goal is to be the greatest PTS. Yeah. <laughs> Member of all time. Wow. They'll have trading cards also, for us he someday. Only, he was only 20, right? That's one of the things that really stood out in this documentary. Yeah. All of these people. Like at one point, a guy shows up and he was like, I looked around the room and I'm like, I'm 24 years old and I'm the oldest person here. Like all of these people dealing with this insane situation that could have obliterated a whole region of the country are all in their early 20s. Well, remember in high school how some kids got really into ROTC? Oh, yeah. There they are. There they are. Yeah. Those them. guys. That's Those them. guys. So this, these two, uh, there's also Jeffrey Plum, who looks like Bill Lumberg from Office Space. <laughs> At least he does now. I don't know that he did as a kid. But these two are on the PTS team, and they explain what that's like. They work 12 to 16-hour shifts. They sleep five hours. They go back and do it again. Uh, so why wouldn't Dave Powell want to do that with the rest of his life? Sounds amazing. And... This incident that happens, it's almost the weekend, like the, the shift is almost over, and they get sent to do this one thing on this Titan II missile. It's a three-hour wait for them to get into the silo. So After they've worked a 12-hour day. After they've worked a whole day, it's almost the end of their week, and now they get tasked with one last thing and have to wait three hours. So you know how frustrated they must be, and they're just like, fuck, let's just get this over with. They get inside, and I don't even remember what exactly they have to do, but they have to... Oh, they're filling a low oxidizer tank. Yeah. The oxidizer... Yeah, there was a problem with the oxidizer tank. Yeah, the... It was, yeah, it was running low, so right. they just have to make some adjustment. Right. And there were there had been a new procedure put in place where they were supposed to use a torque wrench to make this make this change, and they had previously been using a ratchet, and Dave forgot his torque wrench. So after this long day and after waiting three hours, he's like, fuck it. I'm just well, gonna- he had already went in, and he was already, I think, almost there when he realized, ah, I'm supposed to use... I'm supposed to use the torque yeah. wrench, and f- it's just a new change. They literally made it three days ago or three weeks ago or whatever it was. So he's just like, ah, it's a nuclear <laughs> nuclear weapon. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> right, like, everybody cuts corners at the end of the yeah, week. Like, yeah, it's yeah, Friday. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, whatever. But this is nuclear weapons. We don't. We can't take that yeah. same approach. This yeah, is- there's maybe a reason why they made that change. Exactly. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> I think we find out what that reason is. They they show him, they reenact all of this. Unfortunately, there's no video because I wish I could have seen the yeah. actual looks on their faces when this happens. But there's Dave, generally not video of real life. Right, so, right. Typically. Yeah. Well, there is some. I there think was videos have, of them like waiting outside and stuff yeah. like that. But that's yeah. about it. Nothing from the inside. Yeah. Which I guess makes some sense. So Dave puts this uh, socket in place to try and use a ratchet to fill this oxidizer tank and the socket falls and everyone just goes, oh no. And I love the way Dave describes it. He says the socket uh, falls 70 feet 
and hits the thrust mount like it had eyeballs. <laughs> like it knew exactly where it needed to hit to cause the most damage. And it does. It hits the thrust mount and pierces the side of the rocket. And God damn it, fuel starts spewing out. But like fuel vapors, not like, yeah, it's like liquid a, fuel. It's like a cloud. Right. Which is, I think, worse. Yes, yes. Because liquid, it would just gather down there and as long as there's and no And then sparks. when he calls back to his team, he's not forthcoming about what right. he did, yeah, just like, which oh, could have saved cloud. some time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's just like, oh, uh, we got some white vapor down here. And yeah, doesn't add any details. Well, because again, he's only 20 years old and the guy with him is only 18. So they're not, they don't have the wherewithal to, to come forth about things like that where they should. Right. Well, they don't want to get in trouble. Right. But, and it's like, but I mean, trouble dead one's yeah. a bit worse right but and did they know that that was going to puncture the weapon i mean if it just fell yeah if it hadn't hit that thrust mount yeah. and bounced up like if it had passed the thrust mount it probably would have just fell on the floor yeah but the, i think they saw it puncture the side of the rocket and okay. saw that fuel start spewing out right away and they were like oh bad times but yeah, they go a long time before they tell anyone what actually happened. I think they said at least 30 minutes is what one of the guys says afterwards. Yeah. Before and they came clean. Yeah. Yeah. So after this incident happens, they before they move on, they run through a series of other scary incidents that have happened with nuclear weapons. And they talk about an incident that happened in North Carolina. Do you remember this? Where a plane, a B-52 bomber crashes... And one of the nuclear weapons, the centrifugal force pulls the lanyard on it in the same way you would pull it if you were literally trying to drop the bomb and kill people. And it goes through all of its fucking firing mechanisms, and there's one switch that kept it from going off. And that's the only thing, just like a light switch. It was, it was set on off, so it didn't detonate. And they, they show the guy, Bob Purifoy, who's just adorable. Also, he's been like get, being terrified about nuclear weapons his whole life because it's his career. And uh, he shows the switch and he's like, look, just like a light switch. Yeah. And it was. It's just like a fucking, if that switch had been flipped, no more North Carolina. They would have been gone a long, long time ago. And that's what they were saying, that these weapons are not foolproof. And the guy said, whether it's tomorrow or it's in 10 million years from now, there will be a nuclear accident at some point. Yeah. Yeah. They they went into a lot of detail about how a fire could cause it, too. Yeah. Which, how do you control fire never happening? Like, that's a thing that'll happen at some point. So, yeah, they, in the middle of us wondering if Arkansas is about to explode, they run through this montage of everything. Then they get back to the the incident and at this point they still haven't told anybody and fucking claxtons start going off like it's a movie trailer. And Rodney, the other of the two, what was his last name? Rodney Holder, the other of the two people, Alan Childress and Rodney Holder are the ones who are watching this this bomb for the the next couple days and he hears this claxton going off while he's trying to eat. Of course, and uh, at first he thinks it's just a standard yeah just thinks it's a test and he ignores it then it goes off a second time and he's like shit something happened and then he walks down and sees the entire control board lit up in red and everyone's just 
They really present this, a lot of the reenactment parts like it's a movie. It actually yeah, says yeah. at the beginning, screenplay by. So they like really tried to make this unfold like a movie. Didn't do the best job. but No, no but. It, 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 they did a good job. Yeah. They, <laughs> so the, they finally get them to admit that they broke something. Right. But not before we see an interview with Childers where this guy loves his job so much. He starts crying, talking about how he went through the checklist. Yeah. And he's like, the checklist is not supposed to fail. And it's like so, like he gets all teared up. And like that's when you realize them not saying what happened really fucked this whole situation. Like yeah. if they had just been... Yeah. Like they were gonna find out. Like like no one was gonna get to the bottom of why there was fuel spewing out of a missile. Yeah, you can't shortly just, like, after you were in there with it. Right. You can't just pierce the side of a missile and be like, shh, don't tell yeah. them. Yeah. Like, let me see the socket you took in there. Did that maybe cause a problem? I don't have it anymore. <laughs> I don't know where it is. Yeah, so they finally get Plum and Powell to admit what happened, and they activate the missile potential hazard team. And these guys are also all in their very early 20s. And their job, if there's a, a missile that might explode, it's their job to go out and see what they can do to keep that from happening. And holy shit, what a job. I would not want any part of that. And the, the thing that they, they make clear about this is they basically asked for volunteers. They were like, you might die doing this but we do need some people to go do this and some brave young men stepped up to the plate yep. they said you know what i don't have children yet mm. and i should do this yeah this is when i really get all hot for men i'm just like <laughs> yeah no, see, it just bravery it makes me sad personally because my brother was in the military for like I think six, six or six to eight years, and he was of the exact same frame of mind. It was like, yeah, I got a wife back home and I got family, but we don't have children, so obviously I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up and do everything immediately. And he was a baby. He was a baby. These kids are. I know I'm only 24, but they're babies. Yeah. And there's, they have no business. And then when you see the juxtaposition of the like 40 something year old men sitting in the control center where they're safe, con like telling these young young boys to go and do all these things, it's like. Oh, okay. So well, it goes matter. back to the other documentary where we were, we were saying uh, the red pill oh, that yeah. young the lives of young men basically have no value. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. This is a good example of that for sure. Because yeah. I, no women in this. Nope. <sighs> Not a single woman. I don't think. Nope. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, they they show the one guy's w wife a few times in pictures. And oh that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's about it. Yeah, one of these guys was married. Which, yeah, with two with two children. Ooh, get a new job, dude. So yeah, they they introduced the p missile potential hazard team. Childers cries again because they he and Plum have to decide if they're going to stay or go. And old Lumberg is like, let's get the fuck out of here and uh, leave these kids to it. And Childers is like, no, it's our job to stay here. And they have to like they finally decide to leave, and they have to leave through that escape hatch. Fuck that escape hatch. I'd have been like, I'm staying. There's spiders in that thing. <laughs> it's dark. The light wasn't working. They had to climb for, I don't even know, five stories, something yeah. like that, 10 stories. Yeah, it, it was tense. 
And it, it was also filling up with vapor. Yeah. So at that point, just go out the door. Put on, <laughs> put on a mask and go out the fucking door. So it from here, the documentary really starts focusing on the incident and what they do to try and stop it. The, the PTS team heads out and foreshadowing alert, old downer Dave Livingston pipes up in the back seat and says, you know what? Someone's going to die tonight. And uh, with that, Dave nominated himself to be the one who dies yeah. tonight. Which, how is this not an actual movie? They really should make it a movie. Yeah. This... That just shows you the power of words. Yeah, yeah. That's how the secret works, yeah, Dave. it is. <laughs> Don't manifest your own death. You're right? supposed to manifest your destiny. It's not supposed to be death. I mean, death could be your destiny. It could be. Dare to dream. It could be. But, uh... So the... The first person they send in, and this part this part becomes important later, uh, is Sergeant Jeff Kennedy. Which Sergeant Jeff Kennedy is of all these people the one who looks like he should be uh, fixing ratchets and sockets on nuclear weapons. This guy is military as fuck. Like he looks like a GI Joe character. He's got a unibrow, which is he's the one with two children. Also, he's got two children. Not related yeah. to the unibrow, but they might have one someday too. Yeah, yeah, they probably do now. <laughs> So Jeff Kennedy, they decide they're going to go back in here and read these fuel pressure levels. And he's traveling with old Diamond Dave. And Jeff decides, I'm just going to go in by myself, which is a apparently a huge rule violation in things like this, which I don't get. Why do you want both people to die? Like, it would seem like you have a better shot if... If there's trouble, at least one person's outside and can run in. Right, and one person by themselves can move faster. Having two people always slows things down. Yeah, right. Like I'm, right. I'm, I'm with him on his thought process here. Yeah, and he, it comes up again at the end, and I think he makes kind of the same point, but a, a really great point that like you know one person can can do more. Like if you don't have to drag someone else with you. So he decides they have time to fix this, and he goes up and tells everyone, and they're like, "You're fired." For violating the two-man policy. Well, not fired, but they're like, all right, you're done. You don't get to fix these missiles anymore. And they kind of like take him off the, the decision-making. And they they send another team in to, to go get more readings. And they cut to one of the talking heads at this point, And he goes, I knew whatever was going to happen wasn't going to be good. So it's, it feels like everybody just kind of knew that there was going to be an explosion of some sort. Yeah. It was so bizarre that nobody knew where the warhead would be going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the yeah. one thing. I mean, how do you not know what would happen in an explosion, what would happen with the warhead? And even they didn't even really know if it was nuclear or not. Yeah, because they, they like kind of kept that information classified yeah so they didn't i guess other countries didn't know where to bomb us if they were trying to take so out they literally had no idea we could lose all of china yeah or we could be totally fine yeah who knows maybe it'll go to the arctic which probably would also be bad i'm sure there'd be ramifications there but none that sure. we would have known about in the 80s we'd have been like oh this is great and then a tsunami kills everybody a week <laughs> later we're like oh fuck so yeah, they they send another team in to get more readings, and the the fuel vapors are so thick that they can't see like ten feet in front of them, and they evacuate. But 
at this point, Kennedy and Livingston are back to assisting with the operation. And for some reason, they order one of those two. This time, I guess the one man, the two man policy doesn't apply. They're like, uh, hey, someone go in and turn an exhaust fan on. Which, why wasn't that part of the first plan? Right. Like, get some exhaust fans going in the silo that's filling up with gas vapors. Like, maybe start there yeah. with that. Just, flip, hey, while you're down there, flip a switch. Yep. But also maybe not, because I think maybe when he goes down there and flips the switch. <laughs> maybe that's what caused, oh. Because he goes down, and then, boom. It explodes. And it is a mighty, mighty explosion. <laughs> They do actually have the explosion on film, which it looks impressive. Yeah. And I'm just can you imagine being there in that moment and just realizing, fuck, a nuclear weapon might have just gone off. And there's a guy who was like, I was convinced I was going to outrun it. He was going to outrun it. He was like, running. I'm going to get in my Omni and I'm going to outdrive this thing. <laughs> No, he was running to his car, and yeah. his back was on fire, and he just fell forward. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah that that was one of the uh, the mission or the missile control team people. Yeah. yeah, was close to the explosion, and basically, yeah, it catches on fire. So that's the bad news. There was an explosion. The good news, not a nuclear explosion. Yay! It was just the, the warhead was found. In the dirt. Yeah, they lose the warhead for like two days. But the explosion was just the fuel vapor exploding. But old Diamond Dave died. Dave Livingston lost his life. I thought he was going to make it at one point. He was the only person not being interviewed. So I... (laughs) That was my tip-off. I was like, why aren't we hearing from the guy who said someone's going to die? Because that would give it away. I thought he would come in at the end and be like, hey, guys, I'm alive. I made it. Yeah. What if he came back from the dead at the end? Okay. No? Nothing? Fine. (laughs) Ghosts are real. That that was a reach. The ghosts, (laughs) Ghosts are real, though. So, yeah, it explodes. And this is where the... The, the two men, Kennedy, who was, wasn't even in the silo, he breaks his leg. And he's like outside, but he can't do shit. And he hears Dave inside screaming. And he tries to stand up to go get him and can't because yeah. his leg's broken. And so he basically just hears Dave die. Like, I, I no, think. I think he was, Dave was actually transported in a truck for, and he was saying that, please just, please don't tell my mom. Oh, that's right. Oh. Yeah. So that's when I thought that maybe he was going to live. Yeah. But also, what did that mean? Did he get down there and just flick a lighter? Like, Fuck this. <gasps> Sending me down here to do this. <laughs> oh, fuck, I'm sorry, mom. It probably wasn't that, but I feel like we should just put it on the table yeah what was that about yeah we find out he was molesting kids or something. Uh, no no he probably was just take de- this thumb drive and burn it he probably was just delirious and he knew he was ma- he, like a mistake had happened and he was just trying to apologize for it but yeah it, it just like all of it wasn't clicking i think it's a child porn thing so <laughs> after this explosion there's all of these, you know, obviously efforts to save people, and a lot of people are saved. Only one person dies. There's injuries. But the, the people who responded to this, I think, rightfully thought, well, we're going to be 
heroes for going in and doing all this work to try and prevent this thing. And they were mistreated. Yeah, like they've never seen Born on the Fourth of July before, which wouldn't be out for another like eight years at this point, but still <laughs> work with me. Yeah, the government treats them like shit. They basically pin the entire incident on them, which kind of Dave Powell, like everyone else, I get that this, like they, they kind of come to the conclusion that there's all these incidents where they always pin it on human error and they kind of make it seem like that's not always right. But I think it's right yeah. in a lot of cases. Like No, when- nothing, a nuclear weapon shouldn't go off, not that it did, but there shouldn't be an explosion. Like this should be human error proof. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, that would be... Just because you drop something, that shouldn't set off... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you shouldn't drop a socket and then yeah, all of a sudden, yeah. like, the, like all of Arkansas could be gone. Yeah. Like, that shouldn't be a thing. Yeah, yeah that's... I mean, that's that's another way to look at it, for sure. Because, there, like, if you look into famous plane crashes, there's always some one little thing someone did. Like, there was... I don't remember which plane crash it was, but when they would clean the side of the plane, they had to cover these little holes that were in the plane to keep like water from getting in and freezing. And they forgot to uncover one of the holes after they cleaned the plane or they forgot to uncover a series of them. And that's what caused the fucking plane to explode. So in that case, like it is human error, but also isn't there a system that doesn't be a better system? Yeah. There's gotta be a system that doesn't rely on that person remembering to take a fucking piece of tape off of a hole. But it's it's terrifying because that's what how these systems work. So it is it's almost like they're designed to always be able to say human error. Yeah. When yeah. something goes wrong, because technically it is. But maybe build them better so it doesn't happen. Build them better and don't send 20 year olds down at the end of their shift. Yeah. Yeah. That, that Dude, I would have fallen asleep. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> after, after a 12 hour day and then waiting yeah. for three hours and then you send me down and be like, it's nap time. Yeah. I would have defected to fucking Russia. <laughs> Fuck this. I am a Soviet now. <laughs> they really go to great lengths to kind of make it seem like it's everyone else's fault. They give Jeff Kennedy a letter of reprimand. That's the only thing he gets for his efforts. His friend died going in to turn on an exhaust fan and they gave him a letter of reprimand for violating the two-man policy. Greg Devlin is the guy who caught on fire and uh, he, he wasn't discharged but he said he might as well have been because, yeah because he did a yeah. TV interview and they were like well how's the Air Force treating you since this happened yeah. and he was like kind of shitty like you would think they'd be better uh, I did catch on fire in the line of duty after all And that really upset the Air Force. Once he did that, he said at one point he asked if he could wear a gym shoe instead of his boots on one foot because his foot was so burned and damaged. And the person in charge was like, I wouldn't approve a fucking thing for you right now. It's like, God damn. Brutal. Like, I get loyalty, but fuck. Like, it has to end somewhere. Yeah. But... That's the military. That's how the shit always ends. Like there's almost never a military story that ends with the military treating that person really great. Nope. Yeah. Like it's always this kind of shit. That's kind of the the thesis of this one too. Yep. So uh, before we get out of here, let's talk about our, our current stockpiles of weapons. We, we talked about this on an episode of What in the World a while back. 
There are right now nine countries that possess nuclear weapons. There's five legally recognized countries, which are Russia and the United States. We, between us, have the majority. Russia has 7,000. We have 6,800. France, surprise number three at 300. China, 260. England, 215. And if you look into it, they all have different policies about how and when they'll use them. And what you don't see publicly anywhere is policies about how they're going to keep shit like this from happening. Like, we, we know under what circumstances China would consider dropping a nuclear weapon on a country. We don't know what kind of safety measures they have in place to keep their yeah, bombs from blowing yeah. up in their right. own country. Right. We don't have the human error sitch. Right, right. Under uh, that, that's kind of the problem with having that many. Like, I trust China with their combination of a huge population and only 200 some weapons. I trust them to keep that under wraps a little better than the United States and Russia having both 7,000 or nearly 7,000. Yeah. And that's kind of the the what they end on in this documentary is they're like it's gonna happen. Yeah. At some point, we have seven thousand of these things. One of them is gonna blow up. There's gonna be an accident. Well, let's just find out where they are and stay the fuck away from yeah, there. Yeah. 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 Let's try to not live in the radius. I, I mean, wonder if they make that. See if there's one near. Yeah, West is there? Ho- is can there you check mall? if there's one near West Hollywood, please? Sure. 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 <laughs> or L.A. in general, because we're all going down. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah, all yeah. going down. <laughs> Yeah, there's... Let's see. Oh, they're not going to tell us locations, are they? <laughs> I really hope so. That, I hope that's not a thing we can just look up. Yeah, no, uh, it, we can't. Right? Map of all all nuclear <laughs> weapons in the United States, please. Siri! <laughs> Siri, where's the closest nuclear weapon? In the building below you. Oh, how close do you... Oh, here we oh, go. How oh. close do you live to it? America has 10 different locations in which it stores nuclear weapons. Daily Mail. The da- Oh, okay. Okay, but Yeah, still. this is shade. Yeah, the Daily Mail's a, a not the most trustworthy source, but it's probably fun. Jesus, what's happening above us right now? Is there a helicopter landing on the studio? That No, this can't be right. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, oh, sweet. We're good. Uh, We're 18 good. Mi- yeah, we are fucking great. Albuquerque. Depending on the size, uh, though. Sorry, yeah. Albuquerque, Amarillo, Denver, kind of. 77 miles from Denver, 55 miles from Kansas City. Wow. Where's Damascus? They shut it down. Yeah, they must have. Well, well yeah, they did. Well, yeah, they they go through that whole thing at the end yeah. where we did eliminate a lot of our weapons. And also, that's why we kept a lot of our weapons, so we could use them as bargaining tools. Uh, thankfully, none of those bargaining tools blew up before we were able to get rid of them. But yeah, this map is interesting. In terms of, I, I thought there would be at least so one. So the red states, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the red states, like cool Washington. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's, yeah, that's kind of the only I one. I like, like, kind of expected one in Nevada, like right near California. I don't know why, but like I had that in my brain as a possibility. Yeah, that seems like it'd be a good place to keep them. We should keep that to ourselves, edit that out, perhaps. Well, I mean, it's all online, <laughs> which still kind of blows my mind. But uh, so, yeah, that's that's command and control. Oh, and also the other the other countries that also have nuclear weapons, Pakistan, India, Israel and North Korea. But those are non-recognized nuclear states because they are populated by brown people in some cases. 
And who are we to recognize their nuclear weapons, I guess? But that's the episode. (laughs) What's going on over there? Nothing. You look like a kid in school who was, like, not doing their work and the teacher caught them. Like, you were writing a note to your boyfriend in the other class. I was, because I was. Oh, it happens. It was just great. I just realized that uh, we're finished here. Oh. Okay. Did anyone have anything to add about? What what did you think of this documentary? Did you like it? It was very suspenseful. I did enjoy it. Yeah. At first, I thought it was going to be very technical and scientific, you know. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely a compelling story, but it, it was, was hard to watch late at night. Yeah. That's all yeah. I'd have to say. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it's a daytime enjoying it with a bottle of wine, which no. is what I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Miss a lot of information that way. Yeah. yeah. Great, same. Yeah. 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 It's not like, so much a leisure having documentary. Having a drink. Yeah. I wonder who's getting blown up. <laughs> <laughs> Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> we could have lost Bill Clinton, which, toss up. <laughs> so, uh... Do we have anything to plug? <laughs> There's an Unpops uh, live stand-up show every other week at the Alex Theater in Glendale. The next one is the first Wednesday in October. I don't know what date that is right now. Yeah, I'll be on it November 20th. So, <laughs> <laughs> Or sometime. Do we have one November 20th? Who knows? <laughs> Go see Mon Rock at the Alex Theater November 20th. No matter what, she will be there. But yeah, go to eventbrite.com and search Unpops. You'll find details about all our upcoming shows. You can reserve a spot. It's free. Come out. They're all really fucking great. Also, what else do we have to plug? Jess, anything? Not really. Come to Okie Pokey. Woo. Woo! Woo! (laughs) Dope. Do you like Hawaiian food? Uh, yeah, no, I do, but I can't. I, I'm a vegetarian. I feel so. like it's. I feel like it's just been burgeoning as of late. Yeah, this poke thing. It doesn't have, but it's, it's not true. a thing. It it's didn't a reach. Cuisine. It didn't okay. reach the East Coast yet. Poke is not there, so I was surprised when I got here and it was. She here. says poke. I say poke. I say pokey <laughs> most of the time. But I say pokey. Pokey. It's cute. It's more fun that way. Plus, they set me up for for failure. The restaurant is called Okie Pokey. How am I yeah. supposed to call it Poke after yeah, that? Yeah, you can't say Okay Poke. <laughs> it's okay, Poke. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Just say goodbye. Bye. Mon Rock, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. <laughs> <laughs>